Welcome back, designer. You know how much Leslie and I love to read books, or in my case, consume via headphones. Today, we're sharing our favorite book lists just in time for you to add to your holiday wish list. These books have influenced us in big ways, and we think you'll enjoy them too. I can already tell we're going to need another episode on this. There are simply too many good books for one episode, and I already have a stack of new ones hard copy y'all that I plan to dive into over the upcoming break. We promise there's a great mix of recommendations in front of you, including both business and non-business books. We hope they will inspire you as you head into the new year. You ready for this? On to the show. Today's episode is brought to you by Designers Oasis. I wanted to create an online hub for designers to access resources to help you run your business. Designers Oasis is a place to get e-courses, templates, calculators, estimating tools, and more time-saving and confidence-boosting design resources. There will be loads of tools added as I build it out, but right now you can access the free space planning quick reference guide, a principle to make space planning quick and effortless. You can sign up for the upcoming e-course on how to accurately budget for furnishings or join me one-on-one with Mentor by Design if you ever need a quick call to help you get unstuck in your design business. Head over now to designersoasis.com and stop going it alone. Hey, I'm Kate Bendewald. And I'm Leslie Myrick. We're interior designers who've been meeting every Friday for coffee to discuss the ins and outs, ups and downs of running our design business and decided to hit the record button. We are designers getting coffee with each other and now you. While some might choose to guard the hard-earned secrets of their design success, we've chosen to support, encourage, and empower one another to be the most kick-ass business owners possible. Welcome to the Designers Getting Coffee podcast, real talk about running your design business with head and heart. Come join the conversation. This is episode 25, must read books for interior designers. Good morning, Leslie. Good morning, Kate. How are you doing today? Fantastic. I am glad it's Friday. Yeah. I always am. I always am. (laughs) And I, I feel like I say I'm excited about today's episode every episode, that's partially because I'm just excited to get to see you. Um, but I also really love my books, and I know you do too. Uh-huh. So today's episode is really fun, and it's kind of a departure from our typical like chats, I guess, so to speak. But we are rolling this one out right uh, around after Thanksgiving, I think, before Christmas. So just it's in, in the ta- holiday season. Just in time for you to not only put it on your Christmas wish list, but hopefully get some downtime over the holidays and dive into one or more of these books that we we talk about today. So um I will I will uh, tell you right now I have already whittled this down to just six, but I have a long list of additional books (laughs) at some point we might do a different another episode um but yeah so um i think we each have about six books that we're gonna each share um leslie i want you to start all right i love books you guys i'm a huge reader i'm a huge nerd and something that's interesting about both my selection and kate's selections I don't think any books we picked are interior design specific. These are all books that have to do with business and personal growth and mindset. Mindset, yeah. But honestly, guys, these have been the most valuable books for me and for us. And I think there's something to be said. There's great design books and design readers out there too. But these are the ones that I really do feel like are must read books that have kind of been game changers for me 
personally as a designer, as a business owner and all that good stuff. Yeah, same here. I think these are all really, I think, because we're essentially doing a business podcast here. We're assuming that you are in some capacity a business owner, um, but what, whether you work for yourself or someone else, you're going to be interacting with your coworkers, your, perhaps your boss, um, perhaps you are the boss, definitely clients, vendors, contractors. And so a lot of this has to do with uh, working with people too, just yeah. Uh, but some of it, a lot of, a lot of them are personal growth without further ado, Miss Leslie, what is your first favorite book you would like to talk about today? Well, I will say these are not in a particular order. They're just six that I absolutely love. But the first one I want to talk about is you are a badass by Jen Sincero. It might be Sincero. I'm not sure how she pronounces it. Anyway, she cool. (laughs) And anyone who puts out a book with a title that says you are a badass, I'm like, hook me up. (laughs) She has a couple other books too. And Another one's on my list, and we'll get to that later. But You Are a Badass is an amazing personal development book. And kind of the key takeaways from this book is really decide that you'll stop caring what other people think right now. You have to let go of other people's expectations and opinions of you to be your best self. It's also important to figure out what you want, but don't obsess about how you'll get there. And I think that's such a huge reminder for us as business owners to have our sights set on something. Even if we don't know the next step to take, even if we don't know the how, we need to have that vision and that goal in mind and we will figure out the how as we go. And of course, like, I love the way that she writes. Like, she's just, there's the word ass in the title, guys. You know it's (laughs) going to be kind of like a snarky, snippy, fun book. And I just think she's so fun and real. And the third key takeaway I found in that book was basically if your habits, surroundings, and friends don't support you, it's time to make a change. So those things are so important and you cannot be your best badassiest self if you don't have a support system around you, if you don't have healthy habits in your life that are going to get you where you want to go. So it's really an empowering book to let go of the opinions and the way other people are potentially weighing you down and make positive changes in your life to be your best self and to reach your goals. I think she's great. She's it's an awesome book. That's awesome. Yeah, habits are so important. I um I can see how that can be game changing. I recognize that I don't I'm the opposite of Leslie. I don't I've never needed a lot of sleep. Um and so it's not oh, uncommon. I need so much. <laughs> I was up till 1.30 working on stuff last night. I know. And then we were up recording super early this morning. But I, I just am not the person that needs a lot of sleep. But I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or what. But I'm just like, hey, I'm going to give the sleep thing a try. And I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna try to go to bed by like 10 o'clock, um, you know, three or four nights a week. And it's been, it's been a big – I can very much tell the difference. So I um, – I realize how you, how much your habits can impact you. Yeah. I'm fine now, but come I, four o'clock today, I'm going to be like, nobody talk to me. <laughs> I've been slacking on my, my good habits. Some of my good habits right now are going to bed before 10 p.m. Nice. And drinking three bottles of water a day. And I've really been sucking at those things. And yesterday, I actually drank water. And I was lying in bed. And poor Nate is trying to sleep. And I was thinking, I'm like... Water is like magic wake up juice because I feel great right now. It's like I don't want to go to bed. And I like literally it was just the small shift of like, oh, when you're not dehydrated, mm-hmm. 
when you get rest, you actually feel like an awesome human being who can conquer the world. Nice. So I think Jen's book is awesome in reminding you of these, the importance of things that don't seem that big a deal, but really are in your life. That's awesome. And I know we have to get on to our other books, but I will say to that water thing, I had a feeling that my three-year-old wasn't getting enough water at daycare. And so I gave them a gallon jug and I was like, I need her to drink all of this today. If not at, at least half, like as much as you can get her to drink. And they were like, Kate, that was like magic. She was not that she's bad, but she's precocious. And she, they were just like, she's got some spunk. Oh, that kid of yours. oh totally. She is. She's a little fireball. Um, and but apparently like for them they were just like she was so happy today she was just a a, she was just like a a different kid and i was like great thanks can you do this every day please (laughs) so fill her with water water and she'll be a great kid she's a great kid anyway so yes drink water get some sleep and don't surround yourself with a-holes love it (laughs) (laughs) boom i love it it's the kate vandewald summary what's first on your list um oh let's see so i think i want to talk about clockwork first again this is in no particular order and i will just say before i dive into my list today as i was reviewing these and kind of uh jogging my memory on the key takeaways from each of them because it's been years since i've read some of these i recognized that there was there was a there were two main themes. Number one, all of these are very digestible books. Um, I am not one to sit down with a great big novel and (laughs) I'm like, give me the information fast bulleted and summarize it quickly. And so all of these are very scannable, very easy to digest. Um, I also do a lot of audio books. But the other thing is that all of these folks really give what seems like counterintuitive advice. Yes, that's a great point. At first. And so as they explain what initially sounds counterintuitive, it it all starts to make sense. So um, Clockwork is the first one. Uh, Clockwork, Design Your Business to Run Itself by Mike Michalowicz. I have talked about this book a number of times on the podcast. Um, He has a handful of books. Another one is on Leslie's list as well, which I've also read and have implemented. But Clockwork is um, really teaching business owners uh, how to create businesses that can run on their own without you. He wants you to be able to take a vacation. Why else? You know, most of us are starting to work for ourselves, not only because we know we can make more money, but we want to have more freedom and more uh, flexibility and perhaps more time with family. Um, But I know for me, I've found that to actually be harder sometimes because I am the one doing all of the work. And so this clockwork book has really helped me identify ways to um, make my business run without me. And I definitely need a vacation soon. So I'm hoping this pays off. Uh, The main thing is he asks you to identify your QBR, your queen bee role. He uses the beehive analogy. Um, Basically, she has one job. And all the other worker bees, their job is to make sure she's taken care of. And so you as your business owner need to identify what your queen bee role is and do that one thing. And everything else needs to be either trash trimmed, sorry, trashed, transferred, or trimmed, as he calls it. So trash is getting rid of it, getting rid of unnecessary things that you don't have to do. Um, And he has exercises uh, that he helps you figure out what those are, uh, transfer, meaning delegate it if it needs to be, um, or trim it, find a way to make it more efficient. So for example, 
me teaching staff members how to do things instead of writing a document about it, which nobody reads and it gets outdated quickly, we've now moved to video uh, training method using Zoom. Sorry, Loom. Uh, it's, They're both good. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's been a big game changer. And also when you buy the book, you get access to a website that he has with all of the resources to help you implement the clockwork model of working. So um, Mike Bikalowicz, great guy. I love his voice. So the audio book for me was super fun. He's got this like quirky, raspy voice. And it doesn't sound like he's reading his own book to you. It sounds like you're sitting in the room having a conversation with him. So if you're an audio book person, I, I recommend the audio book version of that for sure. Can I confess something? I bought Clockwork like a year ago, and it even came with a handwritten note from Mike himself, which I thought was so cool. I haven't read it. <laughs> it's on my shelf, and I don't know why I'm like, why? I feel like I already have so many other things I'm trying to implement that I'm like, I can't do this now, too. But I think when I'm done my current book, I will pull this off the shelf because I, I need to dive into it. I love his stuff. Yeah. Well, speaking of, so you read Profit First, which is next, yes. is on your list. Do you want to talk about that one? Oh. If you liked Profit First, you're going to love Clockwork. He also has another one called The Pumpkin Project. The No, I'll look it up while you're talking. But And then the, I think he also has The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur. Yes. I haven't read those two either, but I'm very interested in them. Okay. Um, Profit First. Honest to goodness, guys, if I had to number these in order of what was most valuable for my business, I think Profit First would be at the top of the list. Here is the big, cool, Profit firsty thing that blew my little baby business owner mind. When it comes to money in your business, the old model, the model that we are all taught is income minus expenses equals profit, meaning you bring in money, you have all your expenses, and with what's left over, you pay yourself, you have profit in the business. For a lot of us, there is nothing left over and there is no profit and there is no business. His way completely like turns it on its head, changes everything. Income minus profit equals expenses, meaning you've got your income, you've got your income. You then take out what you pay yourself, profit that goes back into the business. And with what's left, that is what you operate your business on. It might not seem like a huge shift, but holy guacamole, guys, this changed my business more than any single book I have ever read. I love it. It means you pay yourself first. It means you always have money in an operating account. I was basically paying myself whatever I could every month and not leaving an operating budget and kind of just like hoping for the best. And that was the best I knew how to do. But Profit First was a huge game changer. And why I like it too is he encourages separate bank accounts so that you can visually see where money is going. I mean, you've probably got your accounting software and you can see things in categories, but I love having an operating expenses account. I can look at it at a glance and know exactly how much is there. I have taxes put aside. There's just money sitting in an account for tax time. I don't have to worry about it. I have a profit account and it's really fun to see that grow. And this has been huge. I think especially for visuals and creatives, having separate bank accounts that you can all access in one place. Don't make it overcomplicated, but having separate bank accounts where you can physically see what you have available in different categories is awesome sauce. If you read no other books on this, my list, this list, go read profit first. That's awesome. And I do think 
I, and I could be wrong. I don't know if you remember this differently. I remember it being a little bit different, not in the formula at all, but that paying yourself, like your regular monthly salary or income is, you definitely do that. But then there's also profit that goes into a separate account that you don't touch that grows and that That's just sits it. there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's there's basically target percentages he aims for everything. And I think and there's there's very specific examples and worksheets in the book, but basically like fifty percent of your profit or fifty percent is your owner's draw, thirty-five percent for operating expenses. 15% for taxes, Again, 5% profit, something about that. I, and it's flexible for different needs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he has, a, and also different industries too. Again, yes. with every book he has, he has um, websites dedicated to resources and videos and other tools to help and help you visually understand and implement the the, what he's talking about. I also think it's important to mention the subtitle just because it's so great. Oh yeah, it is. <laughs> Transform good. your business from a cash-eating monster into a money-making machine. <laughs> Hails to the yes, Mike. We love what you're about. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's great. And you introduced me to Profit First. Um, I was already doing it in a way. Um, I did have the separate business, sorry, bank accounts where I had my operating expenses went into one. I had my a different account for taxes. I had a different account for my clients' purchases, money that they gave me for product. So that was its own. But I didn't have that fourth like profit account where it's this is where you put money that just sits there. Um, I was that didn't even occur to me to do before I re- until I read this book. I was like, oh yeah, that's a thing yeah, we should be doing. Yeah, and I also wasn't like looking at targeted he calls them taps targeted allocated percentages or whatever it's super nerdy anyway read the book i agree it's awesome yep soup's good what's next for you girl so the next book i want to talk about is called the art of people by dave kirpin um again these are bite-sized chapters with easy to execute and often counterintuitive talking points but really um this book talks about whether how to better understand people how to better connect with people by asking the right kinds of questions and how to change and influence people by by being a model. It's not in any sense trying to strong arm people, but it's really about influencing people by connecting with them. And a big part of that is gratitude. There's gratitude practices throughout this, but I remember reading it and one of the first chapters was just like, whatever you do when you're first meeting someone and talking to them, whatever you do, don't talk about yourself. (laughs) Just ask as many questions as you can and truly be interested. Don't just act interested. Don't be fake, but truly ask a lot of questions, interesting questions, relevant questions, um, and really get to know people. And if they turn around and ask you a question, you know, be polite, friendly, quickly answer, but then turn it, turn the discussion back to them and keep asking more questions and learn about them. And at the end of that conversation, the whole idea is that people, we're, we're, we're a lonely society, we're a lonely culture, which is kind of a sad thing to say. But when somebody walks away from you feeling like, wow, he really showed interest in, and heard me and listened to me and cared. And I really like that guy, you know, Um, and he uses it. And I've had this, I've practiced this before and it's hard because you, you know, conversations are usually back and forth and he is trying to get you to practice, not all the time, but in many occasions to really practice it being more of a one way, you asking questions and listening 
uh, way of communicating, but I've practiced it and it definitely makes a difference. He tells a story about a guy who picked up his friend from the airport and his friend says, wow, I met the most fascinating or the, mo- the most lovely woman on the plane. And his friend was like, awesome. Where's she from? He's, he's like, I don't know. He's like, well, did you get her name? He's like, nope, didn't get her name. What does she do? She's like, I have no idea what she does. She's like, well, then what the heck <laughs> made her so lovely? And it was the fact that she sat there and listened to him talk for the whole flight it's how she made him feel precisely and so that is just one of the chapters in there but the the rest of the book is really good so i love the art of people by by dave kirpin yeah you mentioned that before and that's one i have not read i would love to check that one out gonna go to the library love it yeah it was one of those i was just kind of aimlessly browsing at the library and it was on there just in new releases uh, at the library so i grabbed it what is your next one, Leslie? We're going back to my girl, Jen Sincero, and You Are a Badass at Making Money. This was her follow-up book. Again, it's awesome. I love her tone. I love her energy. I love her message. She shares a huge part of her story of basically being broke and in her 40s and feeling like a total failure and how she overcame that and figured out what was holding her back and basically turned her life around completely financially, which I just respect so much people that figure that out because so much of it is a mindset game and, you know, really standing behind what your value is. The fact that you do have value and can charge accordingly. Some people stay stuck for so long and her book is really empowering to help you get past that. So the goal of that book and what I got from it is that it really uncovers what's holding you back from making money, helps you discover where your struggles are. And she really teaches you how to give, you know, get rid of doubts, fears, and excuses. They're always going to be there. And there's tools and tricks to manage those and say goodbye. And it really does teach you how to relate to money in a new and a very lucrative way and approach how you encounter money, how you think about money, how you handle your money differently. For me, so many of my books have to do with money and earning because that's a big struggle for me. And, you know, I think a lot of us, and if you don't have that, God bless you, teach me your secrets. Wait a second. So earning money or in exchange for the types of services, like where does that explain that a little bit more? Yeah. You know, like I think a lot of us feel that we're too expensive or, you know, we, we, oh, we can't possibly charge that for what we do. Like who would pay that? Who would do this? And you end up kind of being in a place where you undercharge and you know, you're doing work you love, but you become really resentful because you're not making enough money. You're, you know, it's sort of this vicious cycle of really having to stand in your space and understand the value that you bring, the worth that you have, and how to charge accordingly for it. It's not necessarily geared towards entrepreneurs, but there's a lot to do with that kind of idea of what we can all learn from is, you know, how to let go of what's holding us back from making money the doubts, the fears, and the excuses, because we all have them. And I know that there's been times where I've gone to hit send on an invoice and there's like, there is a pounding in my chest and a tightness. And I have to, (laughs) I just have to drop that finger onto the mouse and click the button. And so her book is really great for just, it's so empowering. I love her writing style. I think it's a great one to check out. And her stuff's really easy to read. Like you were saying earlier, a lot of these are very digestible and simple. This is readable and relatable and just really great at putting you in a different headspace around money and how you look at it and how you relate to it in your life. She's awesome. 
That's awesome. Sounds like you really relate to her tone as well. You're not alone in that struggle. I certainly have had this experience um, and it's something I'm always continuing to work on. I haven't read this specific book, but I probably will at some point. Um, I've, you know, I've been working with a money coach, which is, has been so fascinating. Her name is Jenny. She's with Financials for Creatives. I think I mentioned her in a past episode, but she um, has this way of diagnose, diagnosing uh, like what are the things that are keeping you back and what are the roots of that? And then kind of working through those um, and by putting a name to it and identifying it really helps you get unstuck in these money mindset habits that you have. And I still go there sometimes, even after working with her for a year, but I've become better at recognizing them. But yeah, money is, you can take the word money out of the picture and exchange it for the word energy and um, perhaps look at it differently. But money is energy. And we have a lot of, we, we give money a lot of energy <laughs> sometimes. And so it makes sense that we, we do this. So you're not alone. Um, and I think a lot of people listening could probably benefit from that book as well. I'm going to stick to the money thing because I do have another book on my list about money and value. And it's called Worth Every Penny. Build a business that thrills your customers and still charge what you're worth. It is by Sarah Petty and Aaron Verbeck. It's co-written. And it was so, 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 so good. Again, digestible um, information. I talk a lot on here about being boutique. And I really developed that notion after reading this book. The whole, the whole idea is that you can really gain your value and your worth by relationship-based sales skills um, and being boutique and finding ways to charge clients what you're worth by providing more quality service. Um, And she uses a number of examples in the book, but it could be like a retailer, a store owner who keeps track of people's birthdays and sends them a small gift uh, on their birthday, or perhaps knows that you have an anniversary coming up and we'll we'll give a call and just say, hey, Mr. So-and-so, we know you have an anniversary coming up. We've got a few gift ideas. Would, Would you like us to send them to you? Email them to the client, so to speak, um, let them approve it. Say, great, we'll, um, we can take payment over the phone. We'll have it wrapped and ready for you uh, to swing by and pick up on your way home. You know what? Just like things like that, that it's like, how can a retailer compete with Amazon? How can somebody like you and me compete with something like, uh, I'm trying to think, like Home Polish, for example, or West Elm's free design services? Um, there is a way of building in special moments and quality that you just can't get in those big mega retailers, so to speak. So um, she also really, really empowers you to just say no to discounts. Very early, very early on, I had a client ask me after they received their proposal, basically said, you know, I'm sure you can appreciate that we're about to spend a lot of money on this project and just wondering if if this is the best you can do. And I was like, yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, yes, this is the best I can do. And I was I that was very early on for me. And I was proud of that moment. And I just think that discounts devalue who you are and what you're worth. And you do that one time and it will continue to show up with that client. And it certainly did show up for me with that client. It should have been a red flag for me, (laughs) but moving on, like every step of the project, they kept asking for discounts. They, They never really got that picture through, but don't discount yourself. 
an important takeaway I remember from the book is the fact that you cannot be boutique if you're not charging enough. You don't have the financial buffer to do those above and beyond things when you're discounting your services, when you're not charging what you're worth. So it, it all plays in together. It is a great book. I think it's got some amazing takeaways. You know, we can, as designers, we can sit here and complain about Amazon and home goods and all these things, or we can find ways to be boutique and attract amazing clients because we can do things personalized special things that other companies can't back to the art of people it's all about how you make someone feel and so you know i've used other examples but i should just talk about a few of the things that we do that is part of our big boutique strategy obviously every birthday gets acknowledged i have two gifts sitting right here behind me which i'm so excited to share with my clients they have both have husband and wife have birthdays next week so we always do something for, for birthdays. We always um, do lots of thank you notes, lots of, um, you know, at the end of the project, they'll get a, another small gift or large gift, depends on the, depends on the project size. Um, but also at the end of a project, we offer to host a cocktail party for our clients. Um, they do pay for the food and drinks, but we take care of buying it, getting it all set up, making it look nice. Um getting the invitation list from them and then sending those out, tracking the RSVPs, um, cleaning up when the party's done. And it's just a way, it's like an open house, so to speak. And it's a way to showcase your work with your client there, but also it's a thank you. It's really a thank you for your client um, and just a way for them to have fun with some friends without the headache of putting together a party. I love putting together parties, so this is fun for me. Leslie, I know that's not as much your jam, so if that's not your jam, <laughs> like find... I want to barf and die. I do not want to <laughs> do this. Find other ways um, to to show, to make them feel special. I love that you do that, and that definitely is one of those boutique elements that not everybody else can offer, so good for you and worth every penny. And for us, that's just a cost of time, like which it does come at a price, but we don't spend any money doing that. We are spending their money on food and drinks. We just coordinate it all. So what's your next book, Leslie? My next book is The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. I have not heard of this one. Oh, it's good. So if you've ever heard the term like upper limit, that's where this book comes from. And the idea is like, we don't believe we deserve to be happy all the time. So we literally cap our levels of joy for no reason. We, we sort of internally have these ceilings or upper limits. And when we go past them, subconsciously, we end up kind of bringing ourselves back down to a level we feel comfortable. Fear and self-sabotage are two common ceilings or limits we can break through with the right attitudes by doing the right exercises and working on the, the mental stuff. But the big leap is so fascinating because I notice this in my own life where I end up self-sabotaging something like not doing habits that I know are healthy for me that keep me in a good place mentally and physically and emotionally or, you know, something with business where... I could push through and do better, but I kind of end up going back to a default where I'm more comfortable. And it's such a fascinating way to look at things. And once you're aware of these upper limits, you'll start to see this playing out in your life where you hit a point where this kind of doesn't feel possible. It feels too challenging or it's too good that you end up subconsciously bringing yourself back down to a level you are more comfortable at it's so weird and you'll notice yourself doing it after you read this book and it's so transformative to learn about that and just be aware and be willing to be uncomfortable to be willing to take the big leap as it were and 
put yourself past those ceilings, those thresholds that you've subconsciously set in your life that keep you at a certain level. Totally fascinating stuff. What you got next? All right, let's talk about Rework. Rework is by Jason Fried. He is the founder of Basecamp uh, and a handful of other web programs. I don't really know what he what all of that is about because I don't use Basecamp, but um, smart dude, New York Times bestseller, again, bite-sized and actionable. This is all about a less is more approach in business. He encourages less mass, less meetings, no long-term contracts, no excess staff, all things that slow and weigh a company down. And again, a lot of his advice is counterintuitive, but some of it is super logical and makes sense. You know, this is a really about competing with mega companies and sometimes you just can't and you don't need to compete with them, but you know, you still need to be relevant. And I'll, I just pulled out one of his recommendations for an example he says, don't outspend, outteach your competition, meaning find ways to teach your clients the stuff that's important to them, such as in our industry, it could be like best practices. Oh, so instead, like, because we can't compete with the big guys in terms of financials, investments, that we have to find other ways. Right. Like you, you can't, your company can't pay for a Super Bowl ad. So find a way to maneuver around that by finding ways to teach, to teach them things. Leslie, I think you might be dabbling in this a bit, but really this is a way to create content that they can continue to come back and consume. And over time, you're going to earn their loyalty that way. So that's just one of the examples in the book. Um, It's literally like each chapter is like one, maybe two pages. Um, And so I I took this to the beach with me and read it a few years ago. Just some relaxing beach reading. <laughs> we know how it's, it is. Yeah, rework is great. All right, what's next? The last two on my list are both money books, and they're by the same author, which is interesting. I like, I like what I like, and I stick in those limits. So one book that I found really valuable, it's called Overcoming Under-Earning, and it's by a woman named Barbara Stanny. I believe she's the daughter of one of the founders of H&R Block. So, you know, daddy knew money and daughter never had to learn about money. And basically, I don't remember which book she shares this in. I think she touches on it in most of her books. But in her adult life, she ended up with this massive trust fund, inheritance, whatever it was, had a husband that gambled it all away. She knew nothing about her finances, ended up up totally broke, and her dad would not bail her out. So she had to force herself as a single mom to get smart about money and figure stuff out. She's got great, great books out there overcoming I can't even say it's got a mouthy title overcoming under earning the gist is you've got to be willing to be uncomfortable to look at your finances to learn things that might feel foreign but to not be in the dark about your finances and your income and how it works and really it has a lot to do with um, the barriers and negative mindsets that most under earners have and there's lots of exercises throughout the book to help you with that mindset and with that inner work. So under earning, just to sort of define it, is when you are earning less than you deserve or believe you deserve to make. So, you know, you could be making 30 grand working at McDonald's and you're not an under earner because you're getting compensated well and you feel it's fine and it's all good. But there's a lot of people, especially doing what we do, who know our time and our talent and our skills and our value is worth more than what we are bringing home. So it's a really great book to open your eyes to that fact. And if you haven't thought about it in that language, 
I think a lot of us as designers are serious under earners in what we do. And she's got great exercises to work through to help you understand why and move past that. And a lot of it has to do with willing to do the hard things and willing to be uncomfortable. But it's a great book. Ah, uh, that sounds great. I will be a little vulnerable here for a second. So when it comes to money, my business finances, I have no problem opening the account, doing the work, seeing where where money's coming, where it's going, and just getting a clear picture. But for some reason, that doesn't translate to my personal finances because everything's on autopilot. Like everything gets paid automatically. I don't typically check in. And it was about a year after living here, we had not really been paying attention our, we have different expenses with this house that we didn't have in our old one. Like we have a pool, so we pay for pool service and chemicals and all that jazz. We didn't need a, to hire someone to kill mosquitoes or bugs. <laughs> we pay an exterminator every month to come and do that. And it, so all this stuff is just adding up. And we thought groceries were cheaper here, but I don't know. For some reason, I looked at how much we spent on when I, it was really hard. I just didn't want to do it. I just did not want to look at what we're spending on stuff. But when I did, and I was like, holy bananas, we spend how much a month on groceries it is out of control. And so it, and it was just super, super uncomfortable. And I'm, I'm getting better. I don't know why it's harder for me to do it on the personal side than on the business side. But Jenny is always just saying like, you have to work past that uncomfortability. You have to know. But the truth is, once I do it, once I look, once I get clear, having that knowledge and that clarity and that information, I actually do feel better. It's just the act of like opening up the information and sorting through it. <laughs> but once I know, I'm better. <laughs> so yeah. Um, and, and I don't know why, but I think this plagues women more more than men. And it's just not fair. I think that's I think that's changing and and I've talked with my coach a lot about my motives for getting better in this area is really because I want to be a role model for my daughters. I was raised by a single mom. I was raised by a mom who had very a lover to death, but she was taught very she was raised with very outdated perspectives and I think there's just sort of a generational time where so, so my mom I don't mean to get off on a tangent I'll make this quick I promise my mom is one of four she has three sisters and a brother all three of the daughters were raised to get married and get taken care of and the son was taught about money and he was taught how to earn it how to keep it how to invest it and it was just how they raised their kids and so all three of the women have had less than ideal financial situations while the brother is out earning bukus of money. And good for him. He should. There's nothing wrong with that. It was just that this is how they were raised. And she didn't know how to impart better financial habits for me. And she was a single mom and she was raised with a fear of money and anxiety around money. And she passed that on to me. And so I'm really working through that. But I really, really hope that this is changing for women that are uh, our next generation of girls and raising them to understand their value and their worth and to ask for what they deserve to get paid. And so it sounds like books like these are really helping change the scene a little bit. Yeah, I love that it's it's becoming more okay like that people are talking about this and there's resources and people are being vulnerable and sharing their stories. And yeah, a lot of women feel, you know, math is hard. I don't understand money. And these are things that we have a lot of times brought upon ourselves. And I will admit, I suck at math. I can own that. And I'm not just... Turns out money is not a lot about math. <laughs> I mean, it's very, very basic math. Bingo. That's what I'm getting at. Yes, it money is not about math. And 
you you made a comment earlier about how scary it is to look at your personal finances but you feel so much better afterwards there's so much darkness when we are afraid of things and when you have the courage to be uncomfortable and bring things to light it takes all the scary out of it it takes all the intimidation and you can actually be in control and make changes i think that's why i read so much about wealth mindset and all that kind of stuff because it's it's a struggle for me too and it's so encouraging to be soaking up these books from people who have walked their talk and share really valuable things like you got to be uncomfortable to go anywhere financially and hurts but it's worth it well and it sounds like such simple advice but it's really in the simplicity <laughs> that it can be well that's we can... it it's simple but it's not easy yeah that's true well uh, this is a good segue to being vulnerable. Yeah, uh, Renee Brown coming <laughs> so, our way. Uh, I'm pretty sure listeners can probably guess if I'm going to talk about vulnerability, who I'm talking about. Um, the one and only Miss Mrs. Brene Brown, Doctor Brene Brown, I should say. Doctor Brene uh, Brown. She is the doctor. Um, she, I love all of her books. I have her new one, Dare to Lead, sitting right here. I have not read it yet, but I'm going to. It was hard to pick just one book really to to highlight for her but um i have to say if you're gonna read one read daring greatly uh so Brene brown is a vulnerability researcher i talk about her as if everybody knows who she is and everybody's read all of her books and when somebody tells me they don't know who she is i'm floored <laughs> but, but so i don't want to take it for granted that some listeners might not know who she is and that's totally cool but now you do go out and get her, all of her books and read them they are like game changing, but um, uh, she's best known for her TED talk on vulnerability. Um, so she, God, I don't even know where to start with her, but the, the subtitle of the book is How the Courage to be Vulnerable Transforms the Way We Live, Love, Parent, and Lead. And she's really just talking about not being afraid to step in the arena, whatever the arena is, whether it's relationship arena, you know being willing to love someone and knowing the fear that you could get your flipping heart broken or like starting a business or having a baby or trying to get pregnant and losing a child and just like whatever the F life brings you that <laughs> causes you to feel vulnerable. Um, that's the only way that you're going to get the things that you want. You have to get in the arena. You have to be a comfortable with, with failing. Um, and how it's kind of making vulnerability sexy again. <laughs> Everybody's talking about vulnerability. I mean, Pixar hires her regularly to do training workshop for their staff. I mean, huge mega corporations hire her all the time to come and teach the the daring way. I personally, when I was ready to, after reading her book, I was like, I think I want to go back to therapy and start thinking about some of these things. She has a training for helping professionals, for therapists and counselors. And if you're a counselor or therapist, you can take her training and be Daring Way certified. Daring Way certified. Thank you. And so I was like, if I'm going to work with a therapist, I want it to be somebody who's going to implement this whole idea of being vulnerable. I found a great one. And, you know, start with the TED Talk if you want. But um, I think Daring Greatly is just the best foundation for understanding her stuff. She has the the gifts of imperfection. She has rising strong she uh, they're all good so love me some Brene and she's from Texas so I'd love to I love to listen to her talk she's just got the sweetest voice I saw her in person one time and she's just as cute as a button she's the kind of person that you just sort of like want to be her friend like she just seems so approachable and warm and I want her to be my 
my other mama. Your other mama. <laughs> Dear Brene Brown, if you're listening, we love you. We want to be your mom friend. We want you to be our mom friend. I love this too. She has the um the children, the daring greatly for children, wholehearted parenting manifesto. Oh yeah, I had that printed out for a while. It's good. I have it printed out and framed for the longest time. It was above my daughter's changing table. So every time she would be getting her diaper changed, I would read it to her, you know? And even now, like that whole mindset is embedded in our family. So if I screw up with my kids or my kids see me do something that maybe wasn't ideal or like yell or whatever I do that it's just like, man, that leaves me feeling kind of icky. I can go back and say to, to especially Nell, because she gets it, she's a little older, to say, you know, I really screwed up. <laughs> like, I am sorry. I didn't need to act that way. I didn't need to get so upset with you about this, that, or the other. And I see her being a more compassionate human being. I see her being forgiving and giving people more grace. And she understands that there's going to be times where she screws up too, and she's going to be the receiver of grace. And so I very much give Brene Brown credit for helping us embed that into our family and you can do it in your business too and with your coworkers and with your clients and yeah how many more do we have we each have one more we have two more i wanted before we move on Brene, i think it's still there she's got a netflix special yes that is real I haven't good seen it yet. maybe i'll watch that this weekend with my cousin i was watching it and my husband came and sat down like maybe five minutes after i started it and it's the kind of thing that i'm like he'd probably enjoy this but i doubt he would like hey come watch this. and he sat and watched the whole thing and he's like that was kick-ass it's like Aww, i know she's the best she's yeah the best. it's really great you guys should check it out um okay my last book another barbara stanny book it's called secrets of six-figure women basically she became a six-figure woman and wanted to know what sets these people apart from under earners from people that are not thriving financially she interviewed a shiz ton of people and a couple things that she learned are women really struggle with they would rather be respected than liked so men would rather be respected they don't care about being liked women i guess it's the opposite i i I think i wrote this note down funny but basically women would rather be liked and not get where they need to go because they're afraid of not being liked and it's so interesting like the differences kind of quote very typically between men and women when it comes to that she sort of pinpointed the things that a lot of women struggle with and then helped give some tips to get past under earning and become six-figure women one of her big takeaways was seeking mentors and coaches you need to have someone to look up to someone to talk with someone to help you grow and she also discovered that the women in the book who were high earners that were six-figure earners were not driven by money alone money is great but they all had hopes and dreams which inspired them to earn more and create a better life for themselves and money was really more of a symbol it symbolized something different to each of the women But ultimately, the common thread she found was that to really be successful, to be a six-figure woman, to be a high earner, it's really important to focus on fulfilling your values rather than just financial gain. So it's a really cool approach. It's it's not like, you know, just being liked or there's all these sort of old models of like being fearful around money, especially when you work for other people or even in our case when we have to ask clients for money. And it's not just about the money. It really needs to be successful, to be really financially successful. Her ultimate message is it's about fulfilling your values and what really lights your heart on fire, what really gets you up every day. Doing that and doing it in a way that is bringing value to the world and sharing authentic you 
is how most of these women got there. So it's just kind of cool. It's really encouraging and it's neat to hear from women who actually have gotten to a place where I think a lot of us want to go and want to be. I love it. Um, I think that's interesting to really establish and define the difference between respect and likability. Because as you were saying that, I was like, that's true. There are people who I don't necessarily like, but I respect them. And I have to think about this one, but they're, they're men. I'm, I'm sure there are women in my, in my world who I could, could say that same is true for. Great books, Leslie. Oh my gosh, we've got some reading. We've got, I've got some reading to do. Seriously, what's your last one? Okay, the last one, I feel like all of my last ones are kind of more matters of the heart. Firestarter Sessions by Danielle Laporte. Ooh, Danielle Laporte. She is great. So Danielle, if you don't know her, is like a dreamy, wise goddess that says the F word a lot. I don't think I can say that on here. <laughs> she does have a sassy tongue. Which is why I like her, I think. I have the worst potty mouth. I can rein it in for a few hours on Friday morning when I'm doing this podcast, but I generally I gravitate towards people that have potty mouths too. So I <laughs> I know that sounds terrible, but it's true. I love Danielle. She says a lot of really simple and great, simply profound things that have has attracted me to her but the book firestarter session subtitle is a soulful and practical guide to creating success on your own terms so i read this book when we moved to texas because i was really considering doing some other work which uh, I, I am doing now uh, designers oasis is a spawn of firestarter sessions spawn. <laughs> spawn it was spawned by reading this book she's got to be a seven on the enneagram because she just Want you to live your best. Oh, I just saw an eye roll from Leslie when I said Enneagram. <laughs> I'm getting into it. Fine. Subtle eye roll. I just saw it. Um, but she really is, you know, just like an effort, live your best life. Like, what's the whole point if you're miserable? She and Jen Sincero should be buddies. I, they probably are. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And so she um, she says, screw your principles. They might be holding your back. That's an interesting chapter worth a, a read. She says, life balance is a myth. And the pursuit of it is causing more stress than craving for balance itself, which is a really beautiful insight as well. But I think one of the the things that I remember being most impactful for me is when she says that we have ambition backwards. And getting clear on how you want to feel in your life and work is more important than setting goals. Um, It's the most potent form of clarity that you can have. And it's what leads to true fulfillment. So it's been true for me. I think a lot of people who might be considering a change or might be considering how to do things differently could really benefit from this. And she has, if you're like me and you like doing exercises, like writing exercises to help you gain clarity, you'll like this because she has a number of those exercises built throughout the book. But yeah, it's again, it's practical. It's bite-sized. She also has audio files that go with it. Totally follow her on Instagram too, because she is always popping up and inspiring me to think about things differently. And it always feels like the very thing I needed to hear that day. So um, I feel like she's a bit psychic in that way. But love me some Daniel Laporte. I want to be friends with her. I want to go lay on a beach and drink cocktails and just have her talk, speak wisely to me. <laughs> <laughs> talk wisely to me, Daniel. I'm just going to lie here and listen. She, she's great. Yeah. That's awesome. That is a solid list, girl. 
12 fantastic books that if you guys have not read them, I strongly encourage you to pick up the one that stuck out to you most and just check it out and see what you think. These books have really been transformative for both of us. Put it on your Christmas list, your birthday list, your Valentine's list, or screw it and just go buy them all yourself. <laughs> I True. My birthday is in December, so yeah, yeah, I got some things to add to my list now. It's going to be a good year for yeah. me. I have a question. Do you prefer to buy your books or check them out from the library, or is it a mix? Good question. I typically will get them from the library first. But if they're, and if, if I love, love, love them, I will buy them. Or if they're not available, I will buy them. But I like to use the library. I think it's good. And then I would, I mean, I give my husband such crap for being an academic and never letting go of any books. And I'm not a minimalist. <laughs> so I really only want to keep the books here that I really use and love. And I know I will read over and over and over again. If I'm only going to read something once and it's great, but I can let it go, I really don't want to own it. So I try to use the library when I can or audiobooks. Yeah, how about you? You, you, You're a book person too. I'm both. I don't do the library for these types of books. I take my kids to the library (laughs) um, because you outgrow books of a certain age at this point. But um, no, I buy my books. um, I keep them. um, And if they're not a physical copy, they're audible, which I'm an audible junkie. So yeah, just curious. All right. Well, I've got my new Brene Brown book here and I'm going to read that this weekend while on the road. That sounds glorious. Enjoy your book. Enjoy your trip. And as always, we're going to remind you guys, if you haven't gotten your mini business toolkit, it's totally free and you can grab it at designersgettingcoffee.com. It's got great stuff and great tools inside for you. We're also going to ask if you could hop on iTunes, which might be called something else now. I don't know. Apple keeps changing everything. Apple Music, iPodcast, whatever. (laughs) Go to the place you listen to this thing and leave us a review. We would totally appreciate your ratings and reviews. We're starting to get new people checking us out because you guys have been fantastic in doing so. So if you haven't done it yet. Thank you so much to our listeners because I just went and peeked in there the other day and was like, holy guacamole. We it's growing. It's growing. And so if it continues to grow and it continues to get more and more traction, then that is going to allow us to keep creating content and keep doing this, keep showing up for you and hitting the record button. You got it. And so next week is, I think it's going to be Black Friday. And that's going to be our last episode of this season. We'll be taking December off, spend time with family, plan for the new year. So we're going to give you guys time to get caught up if you've missed any. We love having you here. We're excited to finish up season two. Have an awesome week and we'll catch you next Friday. Bye. Bye. Hey designer, thanks for sharing part of your day with us. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes so we can continue to connect with badass design bosses like you. We love to hear your feedback. For more Designers Getting Coffee and to join the conversation, head over to designersgettingcoffee.com for show notes, free downloads, and more. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at designersgettingcoffee.